Hey everybody, I just want to take a moment to talk about a new thing I'm doing. Over the years, many of you have reached out to me telling me how much you love the podcast, but also wish there were more personalized takeaways and more in-depth interactions with our guests to hear what they think about comedy. This is why I'm now launching my new digital academy, Blueprint for Success. With exclusive interviews and comedy philosophies of stars and industry veterans, personalized versions of the Industry Standard podcast, commercial-free, and one-on-one coaching time with me. Blueprint for Success will give you the powerful tools that will take you up the elevator beyond the competition and reach the highest possible levels to achieve your dreams. Whether it be stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing, hosting, radio podcasting, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or an agent. Now I'm here to help, personally. We'll go on an express train of comedy and entertainment like nobody else has before. You can find out more about Blueprint for Success and the comedy business on my website at barrycats.com. Together, we'll take your career where you want it to go. I've been such a guy who lives for today. My life has always been enjoying today, and so it's very hard for me to even come up with stuff that I did in the past. Today is the proudest moment of my life. You know, I used to, I used to say, I got to enjoy every day. Today, I enjoy every minute, and I really do. I don't need to worry about going to heaven because every day is heaven for me. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. Very excited to have you here today. For those of you returning to the show, thank you so much for subscribing and listening and passing it on. It means a lot to me. So great. And for those of you who are here for the first time, thank you for joining us. I hope you enjoy it as much as I do, and hopefully the audience does as well. I really, really appreciate it. I just got a Federal Express from one of the winners on the show, Mark Conforti, who is a pastor, and he sent me a FedEx with this huge newspaper article about his new podcast called Object Lessons, which is really original and unique. It was incredible how he told the newspaper that he had been inspired by this podcast and that he listened all the time and it helped him with his congregation. And this guy flew to New York to see a podcast there with me and really i had a great time with him and i'm so proud of what he's doing and you should check out that podcast it's really really great again it's called object lessons with mark and 40 and if you need to reach me at any time you can do so at barry cats at twitter and instagram or at barrycats.com i'll get back to you as soon as i can and i appreciate all the kind words. And I'm really, really excited about our episode today with Murray Langston, aka the unknown comic, one of the nicest, kindest, most wonderful men, and truly one of the most original and most recognizable comedy acts in the history of our business. And when I think of him after I visited him, 
at his home with his beautiful daughter, Mary. And I didn't get to meet his other daughter, Maya Marie, who's a very talented singer and also very funny. You should check her out on YouTube. Worked with many, many great artists like Britney Spears and others. But when I think about Murray, I think about a guy who came from another country and just took every penny he had and got out to Los Angeles. Didn't necessarily have a plan, didn't have any money in his pocket, didn't even have a place to stay, but knew he wanted something really badly. Took a bunch of crappy jobs and finally just one day called one of his favorite shows, Laugh-In, got the producer on the phone, said he could do an impression of a fork and the rest is history. Multiple episodes on that show, then four years on the Sonny and Cher show. And the guy did everything you can imagine to try to make it. But back then it was a different world. You were getting paid tiny amounts of money for these appearances. And even though millions and millions of people were seeing you, you weren't necessarily getting the credit as the stars were. So you couldn't go out on the road and really draw. And what's amazing about this guy is one day when he really didn't have any money left and he'd invested money in something he believed in that involved entertainment, which was a nightclub, and that went under. He was left with really nothing. And he was trying to figure out how to make money. He was in the union, but how was he going to do it? How could he figure it out? And he heard about a show called The Gong Show, but he was worried. How am I going to go on The Gong Show as Murray Langston? If I go on there, my career will be over. And so creatively, like all creative artists do, they figure out a plan to take them to the next level. Sometimes the plan takes a detour. Sometimes you only have a thought of doing it one time just to put a Band-Aid on things until you figure out the rest of your career. In this particular case, he created a character with a paper bag over his head, indicating that the jokes were so bad he would have to put a paper bag over his head, at least symbolically. That's the way I see it. And he created the character of the unknown comic. And even though he only thought, hey, I'm just going to do this one time and make my rent money, when you do something and you put thought into it and you're great at it and you make bold choices, that can turn into something much bigger. And one shot on the gong show became 150 and the unknown comic became one of the biggest stars in the world. So I think it's pretty clear, no matter how much you think things are a lull, you don't think things are going your way, there's always a way to create something that can flip a switch and turn things around. If you can follow the kind of format wherever you are, you take the risk, you get out to wherever it is that your profession is the strongest. You go and you call and you get out there and you meet the people that are at the highest levels of that business. You get your foot in the door. 
When you get your foot in the door, you make your mark. When you make your mark, you move up. When you move up, you take more chances. And when things go wrong or there's a lull or for some reason you're not doing what you think you should be doing, then create something uniquely different that turns your career on its head but takes it to the next level. And if you can figure out how to do that, I can guarantee you, you'll have the possibility of the kind of career that Murray Langston, a.k.a. the unknown comic, has. Here we go in three, two. This show will have laughter. I got everybody pregnant with Barry Katz and semen. I'm not comfortable with the tone this is taking. If you're undeniable, you will not be denied. If you want to be successful in show business, you get yourself a Jew white manager like Barry Katz. <laughs> Being a manager is just turning no's into yeses. Creating holy shit moments. Uh, undeniable. You fucking firing me up, Katz. I love this man. Is there anything else I should know? You're on. What? Barry Katz. Back in the house. 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 Let's do this. One. 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 Two. Three. Cuatro. Five. Cinco. Six. Six degrees of separation. Six degrees of separation. I'm going to mention some names. I want you to tell me whatever comes to mind. It could be a story that's inspirational. It could be something funny. It could be something short and sweet. Yeah. It could be anything. John Biner. Oh, John Biner, sweetheart. Uh, and I did his show a lot. And he did it in Canada. Bizarre. Uh, uh, I see him re- uh, occasionally. One of the greatest impressionists. He's the first impression I ever did. Uh, celebrities in a, as a, like as a doctor or in some sort of employment. Uh, just a sweetheart of a guy. I used to hang out with him and his kids. Me and Freeman when he had a little house. Uh, down in near Malibu, and we've uh, always stayed connected, uh, but uh, no particularly funny stories, but I did do Bizarre quite a bit, uh, uh, maybe five, six times, which he produced with Bob Einstein, by the way. He produced that show, who was Officer Judy, who was Steve Martin's writing partner, who just passed away. Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. I remember him. He was a singer. Was he a singer? Yeah, he threatened me. Uh, uh, the, uh, it's it, that's an interesting story because what happened is, I never did Sinatra jokes in my act. Okay, one day I'm shaving at my house and the phone rings and I pick up the phone. I'm in the middle of shaving and, uh, and I say, "Hello." He says, "Yeah, is this Murray Langston?" I go, "Yeah." He says, "This is Frank Sinatra." Listen, you cocksucker! You ever mention my fucking name? I'm gonna on TV. I'm gonna break your fucking legs. You got that? This is the way. This is Frank Sinatra talking, but I don't believe it's Frank Sinatra. If you get a a call like that, so I think it's this buddy of mine named Joe Battaglia who has this gruff voice. I said, "Fuck you, Joe." He said, "This is not Joe. This is Frank Sinatra. You cocks. Don't ever mention my fucking name." Now, first of all, I don't ever remember doing a Sinatra joke, so obviously I really think it's a joke. He says, and he's and he's now he's cursing me out like crazy. He said, I'm telling you this, and I, finally I said, look, sing, sing uh, my way, asshole. He says, you mother, and he, he, he slams the phone down after cursing me out for, for about five minutes. And so I, I go back to shaving. I'm thinking that Joe, he, he was trying to pull one on me. Phone rings again. I pick it up. I go, hello. And his, his voice is Murray Langston. I say, yeah. He said, this is Milton Pearl. And he said, you recognize my voice? And I recognize Milton Pearl. And I had just worked with him on a show called The Everyday Show a month prior. 
And he said, look, I just got a call from Sinatra. I guess you didn't think you were talking to him. And all, now I'm like, Shega, well, what? Uh, he says, yeah. He says, look, he's, he's getting old. And he's, he, I said, but I don't do Sinatra jokes. He said, it was about a halfway house or something. And I went, Oh, then there was there was a show I did called Make Me Laugh. You remember that of show? Of course. Well, I did a bunch of those with and without the bag. And one of them, I was looking for material. And I scrounged, I, I did a bunch of newspaper stuff. And I said, oh, Frank Sinatra is going to open up a halfway house for girls who don't go all the way. You know, that was lame joke, but that's the joke he was calling me on. And he was all pissed off. And so uh, I... I uh, so uh, after I so Sinatra, he was on my side. He says, "Look, he's he's, he's he gets pissed off." He's, I said, "Well, what's Milburgh was on your side?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, "What's he cursing me out for?" I said, it's, "And once I recalled the joke." So uh, anyway, after I hang up with Milton Burrow, I call up the producer of Make Me Laugh to let him know what just happened. I'm blanking out on his name, uh, so I called uh, the producer. I said, "Hey, you'll never guess who just called me." And he goes, "Frank Sinatra." I said, "Wait a minute, how do you know?" He says. Where do you think he got your number? So he called to make me laugh show to get my number. So I said, well, thank He said, well, I didn't want him breaking my legs, you know. And so this went on. And, and so bottom line is uh, Kitty Kelly, who wrote the book, she ended up calling me and wanted to put that story in her book. And I said, no, it never happened because it's in my book anyway, by the way, the whole story. But Did you call Frank back and some politics? No, no, never, never talked to him again. You never yeah. talked to him again. No, but I did worry about some, because the thing about Sinatra, you know, he, his buddies will hurt you and, and go say, hey, I hurt this guy. You know, there's a lot of stories. Well, I think Burl probably called him and said, maybe settled it. Yeah, yeah. But it was just the, the way he cursed me out. And then I see him accepting some humanitarian award on TV a few days later. I went, what a jerk. Lucille Ball. Lucille, Lucille Ball. Oh, I, I, all, the reason I had a relationship with her is because I, I dated her daughter, Lucy Arnaz, back then. We worked on a show called The Everyday Show, and we ended up dating and becoming really good friends. And so uh, that's when she was doing a play called or playing our song, a Neil Diamond play. So I was I would rehearse with her and go to the play. And so Lucy was there. But the uh, her mother was there. But the bottom line is that at that time, uh, it was great because uh, Christmas Eve, I was dating her. So we went and spent at Lucy's house with her brother, Des Yernes. And I, I'm like in this surreal world going, what the heck? I'm sitting here <laughs> at partying with Lucille Ball and her husband, and, and was it and Gary Jesse. Morton at the time? It was Gary Morton. I was blanking on his name again. Yes, and you know you, your mind goes back to those those days when I was a kid watching I Love Lucy. Same thing with Elvis. When I, I partied all night with Elvis, it's going. How am I parting with Elvis? Elvis was so uh, that was so uh, me and Freeman, the black guy I was telling you about that I was partnered with, who died a few years ago. Sadly, one of my best buddies. Uh, uh, we were in Vegas. Uh, and uh, this was years after the Sonny and Cher show, and we were broke on our ass, and we were driving home, and as we're driving, we see Bobby Gentry, remember her? She was the sweetest lady, and we got to know her, sort of, and so we saw her on the billboard at the Desert Inn uh, appearing, so we said, hey, before we go, we gotta go say hi to Bobby, and John Byner, by the way, was opening for him, Bobby Gentry, so so we knew both of them, so we go, so anyway, we go, uh, her show was just ending when we got there. So we, we tell the guard, you know, we tell Bobby Freeman and Murray here. So she opens up the door and says, hey, Murray Freeman gives a big hug. Oh, I got a friend here. And it's Elvis. 
sitting there, right? And uh, and I go, oh, hey, and Freeman, my buddy, was from Mississippi, so uh, uh, so uh, we go, we're in the dressing room, and we're just and now we're just hanging, we're talking, and I'm telling him how because I had my club at the time, and I'm offering him. I said, Do you know, any chance? You know, I got this little club. Any chance you could work it? I could pay you fifty bucks a week, and. And, but I'm making him laugh, and every time I'm making Elvis laugh, my brain's going, you're making Elvis Presley laugh, you know? So uh, anyway, we're joking, and Freeman's, uh, and, and, he, and he said, he said, well, you know, I was only giving $50 a week when I was uh, a truck driver, you know? So he said, I might think about it, you know? And he's, so anyway, we're there for like probably a half hour, 45 minutes, and Elvis says, well, we go to my place, and he was appearing at the Hilton. So we said, uh, yeah. So we all... Bobby says, I'll meet you over there. So me and Elvis, and he had a couple of his guys with him. We all go in the back elevator, get in his limo, and we go over. And I mean, like, we're in in his suite now, and he's got, and there's a lot of drugs there, too. He's He's got dishes of drugs that, that uh, he had a half-brother that was passing everybody. And When and, you say dishes of drugs, what's like in the pills dishes? And shit pills. Like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they passed around a dish full of pills... How did people know what each pill did? I don't know. I'm not a, as I mentioned, I don't know. But I remember guys taking stuff. And uh, and and uh, and so then John Biner ended up showing up. Who else was there? Uh, oh, that's right, because I just, uh, I asked her about that night, as a matter of fact. His girlfriend at the time was a beautiful woman, and she had a whole turquoise on her. And uh, in fact, I asked her about this uh, about a year ago. She's a friend of a friend of mine. She was his girlfriend at the time. And uh, bottom line is, well, I'm, uh, we're, we're, he, does this, he does this karate thing. He puts on a karate outfit, and he asked me to be his thing. And he said, yeah, we, when, when you do karate, you go, for, you go for the eyes, you go for the neck, and you go for the groin. And, then I, and I remember saying, well, you go for the groin. Do I get dinner in a movie with that? <laughs> and I made him laugh again, and my brain kept going, are you making all this pussy laugh? Bottom line is we're there till 5, 6 in the morning, and he sits next to me, and there's... Uh, his girlfriend and I, I think John was there and Bobby Gentry and he starts singing Are You Lonesome Tonight sitting next to me on the guitar you know and it's I mean the whole evening was just unbelievable he sang a bunch of songs and then he asked me and Freeman he said you guys got to come to my show next day and but we had no money and we were broken we never went back and uh, and then but a year and a half later he was he was dead but that was some kind of experience to to a party all night with all us uh, like that, yeah. Till about um, five, six in the morning. Linda Thompson. Linda Thompson. Yes, yeah. She's uh, uh you know, we 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 occasionally talk because I sent her actually my book because uh, so I I asked her if she remembered that night and she didn't till I mentioned Bobby Gentry. As soon as I mentioned Bobby Gentry, she oh yes, of course I remember now. She remembered that night. Yeah. Cheech and Chong. Cheech and Chong, uh, uh, who I uh, uh, just talked to recently with Bob Einstein, as a matter of fact, because. Uh, uh, well, about nine months ago, they called me. They were on a golf course, and I hadn't heard from them. I guess they, they they called me and just to say I hadn't talked to either one of them in the years. They were playing golf together. But like I said, we worked this little place together, and uh, then I went to Red Fox, and like I, I said, uh, uh, they just it made it huge. But uh, uh, And Tommy's from Canada, and, you know, Richard was—so was, was so we, were, we had that in common. When you're working for a hamburger with them— and you saw them, did you think that they could make it? No, because I had heard that they got most of their stuff from other groups. But the thing is, we we were, we were would work to four or five people. We like they, they did this thing where they would run around like two dogs, sniffing each other's asses and stuff like that. Or what if people were like dogs, which was a very funny routine. And they were nice where we would 
Jack and I would do their act, and they would do Jack and our act, you know, and my act uh, uh, on certain nights. But were you there when they were creating Sister Mary Elephant and things like that, or their famous bits, or were they doing stuff before that? that... They, well, they were doing all this kind of stuff, but uh, I wasn't aware of it being... I, they were just another couple of guys to me, you know, and then it was about... I'm going to say about six months later that the, that the, 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 their album came out, and that just catapulted them. The producer saw them at some place. And then I went and saw them a few times, you know. Uh, and like I said, uh, I've, I've run into them over the years at various places, and we always give each other a big hug and, and, and how's it going and stuff like that. Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey. First time I saw him in Montreal, my brother had never been to a, a show a comedy show, so I took him, and Jim Carrey was was nobody, and I and I went and I just saw Jim Carrey, and and he uh, he did he just did impressions then, but he had a fabulous show. Ended up doing close with on Golden Pond, Golden Pond, got a standing ovation. So I went and said, "Hey man, you're you're really great, and I wish you all the best." And my brother was like, "So a couple of years later, Chris Beard calls me up and says, uh, uh, I'm going to uh, do a, a I want to do this show called a Sex and Violence Family Hour in Canada.'" And he wanted me to be in it, and I, he said, uh, we're going to shoot in Canada. And I, I told him, I said, uh, you know, there's this guy named Jim Carrey. You should check him out. And so he ended up checking out and hiring him. So, uh, But it was a bunch of us. It was a, 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 a TNA show. It was for, it meant for cable, a lot of tits, a lot of dirty jokes. I did, you know, comic, and me and, me and Jim did a lot of sketches together and, uh, on the show. But it was just weird that, you know, and then it was years later uh, that uh, – Oh yeah, that's true too. Uh, his uh, he he ended up with this woman Melissa, uh, who I dated before him, and uh, and that was a crazy thing that happened. How he ended up with her, you know, as weird as that show. You dated a girl before he dated her. The one he ended up having a child with. Yeah, and she was a she was a waitress at the Improv, and uh, she went berserk on me and threatened to throw shit at me from the improv, from the drinks at me and stuff Did you like warn that. him about her? No, I didn't. Alan Stevens warned me about her because he dated her. You know who Alan Stevens is? Wasn't he a part of the four with Sam Kinison? I think he might have been, yeah. But he was part of, he worked a lot on, on. But he warned me. He said he got in a huge fight with her at, at his house and she was breaking things. He says, can we continue this fight over your house? You know, break <laughs> some of your shit, you know. And, uh, but, uh, but he, and then, uh, then I'm at this restaurant and I see, and so I went with her for a few months and she was just really wacko. And then the next thing, uh, Jim Carrey walks in his restaurant with this girl and says, hey, Murray, and I, you know, say hi. He says, yeah, this is my, my girl. We just got engaged. We're going to get married. I'm looking at her and go, oh, my God, he has no clue. But he ended up marrying her, and, and, but I guess it only lasted a couple of years. But, uh, uh, and, and Jim's always, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, you lose touch with all these guys after a while socially. And, uh, but if we ever see each other, it's always nice. Yeah. Dinah Shore. Well, dinosaur. That's uh, that's a that's a dinosaur question. I mean, that's old. Uh, I just did her talk show a lot, you know, back in those days. She had a talk show, but everybody had a talk show back then. You know, John Davidson had a talk show. Uh, uh, I did all those shows back then. Merv Griffin's and Mike Douglas's, and uh, that was a that was a talk show period of my life. That uh, uh, when you did a talk show, you always did stand up, or did you sit on the couch and panel? Uh, uh, 
Well, Merv Griffin, I would sit down and do with him. You know, I only did I did Carson once, but he wasn't a fan of the unknown comic. Apparently, apparently he did a, it on the couch or as a stand. No, no, as a stand up. And I remember I got eight applauses when I did it. Uh, I saw it somewhere. Uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, Paul Block and so you got eight applause eight breaks applauses. on the Tonight Show uh, uh, during my set. Did Johnny give you the no, okay? No, no, he didn't like it at all. So uh, he didn't even give you the okay. No, uh, no, he didn't give me nothing. I How'd just, you know he didn't like it? Because I was told, you know, the, uh, Paul Block, the the uh, the guy who uh, was telecorder, he wanted me to do the show, and he recommended, it. and it was probably maybe about six. I was still a. Were you famous then? Not quite, and and I still hadn't had the experience that I really needed. I was still brand new at it, but I had enough fans because when Johnny Carson introduced me, yeah, this uh, this uh, unknown comic, he heard people in the audience screaming, oh yeah, you know. So I had enough fans there that, like I said, I got either seven or eight applauses. Why do you think he didn't like it? Because Paul told me he said. But what was it he didn't like? Yeah, just silly. He doesn't like props. He doesn't like silly. I don't think he. I don't even know if he ever used Gallagher on his show. He's just not a prop comic guy. Never was a prop. You know, he doesn't like silly. He likes clever. Uh, and he didn't think it was clever for me to think of a bag over my head. I don't know why. It hurt my feelings. <laughs> I, I didn't care. Then I ended up doing it with uh, with Letterman, too, uh, a, couple, a couple times, yeah, back then. Awesome. Well, that's the next name I'm going to mention, David Letterman. David Letterman uh, came into my club uh, and asked me if he could do a set, you know, uh, my little club. And um, uh, he lived in an apartment right down the street uh, uh, from my club on Oxnard. And he, in fact, he did a joke about that because Oxnard and Victory. He said, yeah, Oxnard, uh, is that what you find on an ox's nose or something like that? <laughs> but, uh, and, uh, but I remember him being very clever from the very beginning. I always thought, and I'm pretty sure he did start at my club before going to the comedy store. Now, when I wrote the book, I called him through Tom Dreesen. Uh, I mean, Tom was going to call him. I said, ask him. I mean, I have talked to him maybe about 10 years ago was the last time I talked to him, 10, 12 years ago. Because he asked, he would ask me to use George Miller to open for me. You know, George Miller? Of course. That yeah. was his best friend. Who? Letterman's best friend. Oh, yeah. They're best friends. So I used George a lot to open for me when I, when I did my show in, in, in L.A. So that's why Letterman used me on his show a couple times uh, when he was hosting it. But Now, did you do Letterman's show as the unknown comic, as a stand-up, as the or on comic. the couch? No, strictly as the unknown comic, but I did it on the, on the couch, too, as the unknown comic. And he li Letterman liked it. Yeah, yeah. He it brought was, you back. Well, it was very funny stuff that we did uh, on the couch. I remember... Uh, uh, we, it was some. I have it on tape somewhere. In fact, I use it when I do my show. Uh, I, you know, have all these people introduce me and Carson and Letterman and Oprah and all these people introduce me before I come out on stage. So it's a nice, you know, the audience sees all these people introducing me, and then I come out on stage. But but Letterman was a very aloof kind of guy. But he told Dreesen, he said, I don't. He he didn't quite remember him. Uh, he remembered going to my club because he got his dog there. You remember uh, he did the dog tricks, mm -hmm. stupid. Uh, his dog Bob. The dog actually walked in the back door of my club one day and. And, and Letterman took him home and, and ended up using him on the show uh, back in those days. Uh, but uh, but he I'm, he did come into my club and did a bunch of sets. He wanted to prepare himself before going over to the comedy store and doing his sets there, as, as did a lot of comics, yeah. Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Uh, what I remember about Michael was, uh, well, he was Michael Douglas in those days. Well, Michael Keaton was still nobody then, but I introduced him as Michael Douglas. And uh, and the, the one thing I remember, and, and I, I ran into him on a plane years later, you probably remember, uh, 
the 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 Carol Burnett show. The uh, what was his name? Kirby oh. Derwood Kirby. You ever remember guy yeah. Derwood Kirby? Uh-huh. So uh, uh, Keaton uh, did a thing, a joke about uh, Derwood Kirby in his act. You know, put down joke, and his son Randy Kirby was sitting in the audience, and and after <laughs> the show, threw him up against the wall and threatened to kick his ass if he ever. And it's funny. I that ran seems in, to be a running theme of people not liking their names <laughs> mentioned in joke. And I ran into Keaton years and yeah, later on a plane, and he never forgot that. Yeah, you remember that asshole, <laughs> you know. And uh, but uh, yeah, and then and and uh, who was it? Harry Columbi used to hang at my club, and I asked Harry. Uh, I said, "Did you discover him at my place?" Because I always thought he discovered him. At, because the next thing I knew, Harry Columbi was. Uh, uh, got him a bunch of work and, and a lot of his movies uh, he ended up doing with him and and uh, he said I'd already seen him do stand up but I did watch him work at your club all the time so, uh, so in, a, in a way he sort of discovered him at my club Jerry Lewis Jerry Lewis yeah well yeah Jerry Lewis uh, the person that was so influential in me but not only me I mean Steve Martin says it was a huge influence on so many comics of that era uh, uh what happened with how I met him was uh, I was on the Sonny and Cher show, and he was going to be a guest, and uh, I went, "What? You know, Jerry was going to be a guest," and so it was just so exciting to finally meet him, and work with him, do sketches with him, and I, I, again, it was surreal time, uh, and getting to know him. And every time he did the show three or four times, the Sonny and Cher show, and he would always give us a gift. One time was a yo-yo. Another time, gave us each a check for like seven dollars and fifty-six cents. You know, he would do those kinds of silly things. But the great thing about Lewis is, I, although I knew he was definitely quirky, he always uh, was very, very nice to me, and I remained sort of friends. In fact, he invited me to do one of the telethons, and before I came out, he had the entire audience with bags over their heads, and the, all the crew with bags over their heads. So, uh, whenever, and and one of the biggest things I remember was when Jerry Lewis, I was in the lounge in the Sahara, and they told me Jerry was going to come to my show. And you want to talk about going berserk? I'm going, oh my gosh! So, uh, and uh, they said, yeah, Jerry, he was working in the main room. So, so I remember uh, coming out, knowing he was coming in. When I first came out on stage, he wasn't on. I was doing my my unknown comic, and I, and about five minutes of my act, I see him finally come in through uh, through uh, the curtain with his entourage and they had a booth for him back there. And then my adrenaline went through the roof, you know, uh, I just kicked ass, got a standing ovation at the end of the show and Jerry uh, stood up with his entourage and, and I did something. I always, my keyboard player uh, always kept a camera, you know, backstage to take pictures. So after my show, I introduced him, of course, as, I can't believe he's here, blah, 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 this, and I, and I said, Mr. Lewis, possibly I can get a picture, you know? And he said, of course, yeah, of course. So I said, Steve, get the camera. So Steve runs to get the camera. We run in the audience, and I put my arm around Steve and give the camera to Jerry Lewis to take <laughs> Steve's picture. <laughs> and, and the audience went berserk, you know? It just popped into my brain, and, and he used that afterwards, doing that with that, that bit later on in his shows. But uh, that, I, I did that uh, just top of my head and got huge laughs, yeah. Cher. Cher was, uh, she's, 
I don't know if she's still angry with me. I mean, I, I talked to her recently. Not talked to her. I texted her, and she, when when our buddy Chris Beard, you ever heard of Chris Beard? Yes. In Prusa, yeah. Well, uh, I did. He died last year, and I hosted the memorial for him. Uh, uh, and uh, you know George Slaughter was there again. All these people were there from years ago. It was sad because I, I ended up, he was a guy all through my career. He gave me work, you know, from the from uh, Laughing. I did uh, pilots for him, and so he was a real sweetheart guy to me. And but so I I called her, let her know that Chris uh, or texted her, and then she was really sad and said she would try to make it, but she never did make it. But it's nice to know you have a share cell phone number. Uh, yeah, but I, you know, she doesn't call me back. She's mad at me because of uh, what I said about Sonny Bono. And she got mad at me for because we were. I'll tell you how funny Cher was when I was on the Sonny and Cher show. I was always the werewolf every Halloween, and the first Halloween, you know, they did the makeup and the hair on uh, hands. And I remember on my the first show, uh, I go to, into the into the uh, studio where we're rehearsal studio, and I see Cher's back to me, talking to some dancers, just to show you how quick Cher was. So I think I'm going to scare her, right? So I got this hairy hand and this werewolf. So I slowly sneak up behind her, and very slowly and calmly, I put that hairy, grotesque hand on her shoulder. She looks at it and quick as a wink yells out, Sonny, your mother's here. I mean, <laughs> and and uh, I mean, I went, wow, this woman is sharp, you know, that she could think that quick. And uh, she was, you know, in her 20s then. But uh, we remained uh, friends after the show, although, you know, after the Sonny and Cher show folded, I did a show with Sonny, the five guys, and then another group of people did a show with Cher by herself. Both shows were bombs. But I used to go to Vegas and hang with her, and we'd have drinks at the bar. And then then when Sonny died, they, they, uh, they I got lots of calls, you know, what was he like? And the first couple times, oh, it was Sonny Bowen, he was great. And then I went, wait a minute, he's an asshole. I didn't like him. None of us liked him. Why am I saying that? So when they did a bio about him on cable, I forget which cable, and they interviewed me, and I, and I told the truth about what I thought about him, that he was not a nice guy to all of us. He used to call the regulars, uh, used to call us, uh, refer to us as uh, atmosphere, you know, and he would uh, always doing mean, practical jokes. And uh, uh, Sonny has something that Billy Crystal also has. I worked with Billy Crystal a couple of times, and uh, he has the same thing that, that I noticed. I don't know, you know, your relationship with, 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 uh, with uh, Crystal, but he has the same thing that Sonny had. They, unless you were at their level or above, you were not important to them, and they didn't want to bother with you. And that's the way Sonny was, and that's what I picked off of uh, Crystal, too. So why do you think Cher was so enamored with him? Well, they were young, and he made her a star. I mean, he wrote those, you know, initial songs, I Got You, Babe. I mean, uh, uh, and I'm sure she loved him, but uh, but uh, halfway through the show, she was dating a whole bunch of other people, David Geffen, as I recall. Uh, but uh, she was married. Yeah, uh, so. Did he know that she was sleeping around I think at people? that point, they were both, you know, halfway through the show, it was all just a facade, and they both were, you know, sleeping with other people, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. And but they—that's so hard they, to believe because on the show it seemed like they had such great chemistry. Well, they did because they were getting great paychecks, you know. And it's amazing how you can. But uh, anyway, bottom line is we thought he was uh, the regular Terry Gar included. We all thought that Sonny was a jerk. Hey everybody, I hope you're enjoying this episode as much as I am. If you made it this far and you haven't fallen asleep yet. 
and you must be the type of person who's serious about having a career in the comedy business. That's why I'm offering you my Blueprint for Success, a one-of-a-kind all-access pass into my knowledge and experience after over 40 years of working with the best of the best in this crazy entertainment industry. I'll tell you all the stories, all the philosophies, give you all the great special guests, and even give you one-on-one -on -one private consultations to help you expand, enhance, and skyrocket your comedy career. Just go to barrycats.com and click on Blueprint for Success to learn more about my groundbreaking digital academy that I've created just for you. With it, we can take your career so far that one day, instead of listening to this podcast, you'll be interviewed on it. Hey, everybody. And I wanted to thank some of the sponsors on the podcast, starting with AquaTrue. If you haven't bought this countertop water purification system, you have to do so. It's incredible. It turns tap water into your favorite bottled water instantly. It saves you thousands and thousands of dollars. It gets rid of all those plastic bottles that you have in your trash. Thousands and thousands of listeners have bought these. Everybody loves it. Not one complaint. It's incredible. I haven't bought a bottle of water in years since I got this, and you won't either. And if you go right now to industrystandardwater.com and type in the promo code Barry, you'll immediately get a $100 discount. A $100 discount and start enjoying the best and most cost-effective water you've ever had. I guarantee it. Lastly, the air doctor. I don't know what the air inside your house is like, but the air inside my house, it feels heavy at times before I got this product. And now it got rid of all the bad air in my house, the dust, the pet hair, the pollen. It just gets rid of all the contaminants circulating through your home. And for me, when I got this product, it was amazing the difference that I found in the air in my house. And it's normally $600 and you can check Amazon right now and you'll see. But for all of you listening today, I can offer you $300 off. $300. Just go to airdoctorpro.com and type in the promo code Barry. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code Barry, and save $300 and get rid of all the bad toxins in your house and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. It just occurred to me you were very prominent in the period of time where network television was giving a lot of money to singers to give to them to do their own show that was comedy. Yeah. So they were giving money to singers to do a comedy show who'd never done comedy before. Yeah. Why do you think that period happened then and it's never happened since? You know, timing. It's just you know that was a great time. It was not only them. It was what? what the, uh, who else had shows back then? Uh, uh, Mac Davis had a show. Glenn Campbell had a show. A whole bunch of people had shows back then. Uh, it was just timing. Period. You know, it's like they tried to bring the Gong Show back, it, but it it could never capture that initial uh, thing that it had back then. Yeah. Carol Burnett. Carol loved her. 
uh, very down earth. See, we worked in the studios next to each other, Sonny and Cher. So I got to know Harvey Corman was became close with him. Used to hang with him, and uh, oh, Carol Burnett, another story which I feel so I felt so bad, but it was a werewolf again. I was walking down the studio, and uh, Carol Burnett was getting her makeup done. So she was in a chair, laying back, and the guy that was doing her makeup is now married to Vicki Lawrence. Uh, anyway, her eyes were closed, and I was in this werewolf, you know, this grotesque face. And so I, uh, I, uh, I, I told uh, Hal, that was his name, I'm pretty sure it was Hal. So I, I said, shh, and I said, shh, and I, and I went over and I grabbed the makeup. You know, he was real close to her doing her eyes. Her eyes were closed, and I grabbed the, the pencil, and I started doing her eyes. I started breathing heavy to make her open her eyes. And she opened her eyes and saw this werewolf-like inches from her face. <laughs> she jumped and screamed so loud, but uh, but she was so cool. She just laughed it off. And uh, But the, the we used to do practical jokes with the, all the, the, their cast and crew. You know, it was uh, Harvey Corman was... Uh, 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 Lyle Wagner and uh, and uh, it, again we were next to each other so we always it's, again another great period of my life I've been such a lucky guy you know or a woman you know depends what I wear but I'm, I'm not wearing chiffon today or would you like me to after the after interview. okay Dean Martin oh and, well Dean Martin I uh, I only got to meet one time and that was really sad my buddy George Pecorero who was an agent in Vegas uh idolized Dean Martin and he used to eat at this little Italian restaurant here and uh, what was the name of that restaurant? I'm blanking out George my buddy tried to buy the booth he was eating he it was always the same booth always the same booth and so I said well I've never met Dean Martin man I'd just love to meet him I hadn't already met uh, Jerry Lewis and he says, well, come on. He, he, so he took me down there. He says, I, he, he goes the exact same time. That was the bar that was there, and the, and booth, the booth was, was off to the side of the, the bar. Side. So you know, yeah, exactly. So I, I went, we walked in first, and uh, and George, and we got a booth where we could see him right nearby and, and look at him. And uh, and George says, same thing he does. Uh, his, uh, his chauffeur drops him off, and then his wife comes and has a drink with him. She, he says, half the time. So anyway, but the sad part is we're looking at him and he's eating soup and his glasses are falling into the soup and he's pulling his glasses. You know, he's, he was old then and drinking and uh, it, it was just very, very sad to watch this guy that I watched. It's something the way you're looking at me right now. You feel very <laughs> sad that I've aged. So did you go up to him and meet him? And, no, absolutely. So uh, uh, George said, so, the, and he knew everything about him. He said, the, the limo will be here in about 10 minutes, so let's go by and say, so we both went by and said, hey, just want to say huge fans. And he was just so gracious. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Really appreciate it. And uh, and I was able to say, you know, not much beyond that. Uh, and But it was just, uh, at least I got a chance to tell him that I, I uh, you know, I loved his movies and stuff like that. Steve Martin. Steve Martin, as I mentioned, we wrote, uh, he, we did sketches together on the Sonny and Cher show because he was one of the writers. And the thing I remember most about Steve Martin, uh, last time I saw him, I don't know, it's, uh, oh, I won the comedy awards, yeah, about maybe, what, a dozen years ago. So, uh, but uh, I remember him... Uh, 
he would, he would, me and Ted were very close on the show. Ted was one of the other guys. Ted Ziegler. Ted Ziegler. Yeah, he passed away since, and uh, and and so he was, We were. We became really tight buddies, and 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 Steve would always say, you know, uh, why don't you guys ever come to my place because we're going you know visit us, and so you uh, see, he had a house in the hills, a little house in the hills. Visit, and I remember one time. So I said, "I said, Ted, why don't we go stop and say hi to Steve? You know, because he's always bugging us. You know, and he we had, he gave us his address, like he was this lonely guy. So I remember. So we said, okay, yeah, let's go say hi to him. It was like a Saturday afternoon. So we go knock on his door, and he opens up playing the banjo. Hey guys, hey, hey, good to see you. Thanks for stopping by. And and the whole experience was very uncomfortable. He said, come on in. And he sat down. He just continued playing the banjo. Oh, you want something to drink? Uh, refrigerator's over there. Go grab yourself. And we came in and we said, yeah, so what's what's going on? Oh, nothing much. Yeah, yeah so uh, nice place. Thanks. <laughs> the conversation was so hard to get through with him that Ted and I were there maybe 15, 20 minutes and say, okay, well, we just want to say hi. And we, and, and we left. And he was... A genius, but uh, uh, eccentric, in, in my view, from the little I got to know of him uh, socially. Hey, everybody. Let me remind you one more time about my new blueprint for success. It's a project I've spent months and months working on just to help you jumpstart your comedy career and beat the competition. Whether you want to do stand-up, sketch, improv, acting, writing, producing, directing radio, social media influencing, or even if you want a career behind the scenes as a manager or agent, Blueprint for Success will give you all the tools you need to take your career to the highest levels. With exclusive interviews, my top 50 commercial-free episodes from Industry Standard, one-on-one coaching with me, and unprecedented access into my knowledge and experience from over 40 years in this crazy business. I guarantee you that with Blueprint for Success, you'll become the creator you've always dreamed of becoming. No one's asking me to do this. I want to do it because I want to help you become truly undeniable. So just go to BarryCats.com, click on Blueprint for Success, and start your incredible journey today. I truly can't wait to work with you to help you change the trajectory of your comedy career forever. Robin Williams. I heard him. Have you? (laughs) He's, uh, what a sad, no, what a wonderful guy he was. But uh, I first met Robin when he was working at the Comedy Store. He came from San Francisco and everybody, word went out, this guy's amazing. And he was. The thing that was different from him and me is that if I went on stage and I wasn't getting laughs in four minutes, I was off in five minutes. Him, he would be on, he'd stay on 15, 20 minutes until he got a laugh. He was always desperate to, to get that audience one way or the other. I just didn't give a shit back in those days or even today. Uh, but uh, but the thing about Robin is that we, we became good friends uh, and hung out uh, and uh, uh, as I mentioned, or he, uh, I was hired to do the laugh stop in Newport, Newport Beach, and the, they, because I was the unknown comic then, and and they wanted him to open for me, and I had already seen him. And I said, no way, he's a killer. I'll open for him, so that's what I did. I opened for him then, and then uh, we just he had a wife back then, uh, forget her name, and then uh, I ended up dating his wife's sister, 
Uh, so we hung out because of that, and then we double dated with other people. We had some good times. He ended up, uh, and uh, uh, he ended up with Elaine Boozler for a while too. You know Elaine Boozler? They were, I didn't know he was dating her. Oh yeah, they they almost lived together. I think for a while too, and then uh, 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 and then when he got uh, Mork and Mindy, uh, that's when we sort of lost touch, but. Uh, but when he got the movie Popeye, he invited me. I went to his party uh, up at his house when when they had the opening thing for his party. And then after that, we sort of lost touch. But all during those years, we were just sporadically buddies and then I'd run into them like every four or five years and give a, give a, a you know give each other a big hug. He's a really nice guy. Uh, uh, I saw, uh, but he was sort of like me in a, in a sense in that he was always on. But he was he could be really off too when he was alone, uh, you know, and and, and be very serious. Uh, but uh, my memories of him were just were great, and I was really really sad to hear uh, about you know how he died. And his uh, the woman I dated, his first wife's sister, were still connecting with each other on Facebook, and so uh, we talked about that extensively uh, when he when he passed. But it's, it's sad to see a lot of these people go. It's just amazing, you know, all these people that I knew over the years. Uh, that uh, And I'm still kicking and having a blast. But I think I was lucky. Never was addicted to show business or anything. You know, I think you have to have an addictive personality, and I'm just fortunate that, and I see it in my, my, my older daughter, too, who's in the music business, doesn't do drugs, doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. She's had 11 abortions. There's always that one thing, <laughs> you know. No, but she's, she's so straight and she's in the music business, but she has that same you know, thing. she's going to call you up after this interview and say she's going to break your legs. <laughs> no, yeah, right. No, she's, uh, she's a sweetheart. She turned out to be great. Like I said, she's making a, a really good living now as a singer-songwriter. She's got, like, songs on five or six albums, one on Britney's last album, one on Little Wayne, I think is her name. And a bunch of other albums, you know, she has song as a writer. So, she, so it's funny. Her career followed mine in a way that I idolized Jerry Lewis and ended up working with him. She idolized Britney Spears and ended up working with her, you know, as her background singer. And uh, and 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 she went. She had a record made it to number thirty-eight uh, called "Crazy Stupid Love" that she sang. And the, the record company sent her around, and she hated that. And she'd rather just be at home writing songs. And I was the same way. I hated being on the road. Uh, uh, that's why I never, uh, you know, like I remember Jay Leno telling me, I told him about a gig in, uh, in Hawaii. I said, you got to take this gig in Hawaii. It's a great gig. He said, no, I want bricks. I, I want I want to feel like I'm, uh, uh, I'm, I'm part of a city. I want to, I want to, uh, fight for my laughs. I want to enjoy my work. He just really, and most, most of the comics who made it big were guys that just were addicted to the business. And, uh, I never was. Just uh, I could take it or leave it, and uh, I mean, uh, uh, my last gig was what a little over a year ago with Jimmy Walker and Kato Kalen. How you about those two guys? Only did a gig a year ago. You could be working anytime you wanted. Oh, I could. I'm just thinking to myself, one area of the business, the tiniest, craziest area of the business, the cruise ship business, where there's a lot of people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. You'd sell out every show. That's funny you say that. That just happened. And uh, I did a, a cruise for Star Vista, which is Time Time Life. Uh, they, asked my, they asked me to do one. I had to cancel one because I was on a custody battle over my daughter. And I ended up having Tom Dreesen do that one for me. So then they really wanted me. So then I, I ended up doing 
uh, one two years ago with, uh, but it was all these all these old rock people like uh, Dionne Warwick and all these singers. They had like 15 music acts on it. And I did it, but it's all my generation, all these acts from the 50s. And uh, so they had me in the lounge. I did uh, uh, two, two shows, it was like 350, 400, and hundreds of people turned away on both shows. So they ended up pay me extra and they put me in the main room of a, they have a thousand seater did 600 people in the main room but uh, and then they so they called me back to the next year which I just did that last year that was with Herman's Hermits and oh that's what I was saying the rascals and I got to you know hang out with uh, uh, Felix Cavallari and, uh, I took my daughter but I would imagine you could work 25, 30 weeks a year on these boats. Well, those, no, the, yeah, maybe, I wouldn't do cruise ships. I, in fact, I told them last time I probably wouldn't do another one. I did one by myself and I did one with my daughter. She was the star on the ship. She sang, she got standing ovation. This one, my Down awesome. syndrome daughter. And, uh, uh, and, and I, and, but now they they just called me recently because I told them, I said, I don't know why you could do this music show. Why aren't you doing a comedy cruise with nothing but comics you know old comics young comics comic jugglers comic impressionists and so uh, they're they're mulling that around now about doing that i mean but that's just one segment of things i mean i can't believe that if you did let's just say somebody called the improv and they said listen let's do a thursday night at all of your 20 clubs just we'll plan it in advance and we'll do a tour. They have 20 clubs now? Yeah. But it's not Bud's and on Weather so, anymore, right? Not really. In a name, sort of? Yeah. yeah. One-nighter, and I you get a percentage think, of the door, and you just do it. You don't think it would go well. I don't think uh, 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 I'm that that hot at all anymore. No, I don't. I, like on a cruise ship, yeah. Like I said, uh, if I did Carnival Cruise. So you don't think you have an audience? No, I don't think. I think I went on a Carnival Cruise. Uh, nobody they turned away up. people. You had to do the big room. But that was on a ship of people my age. They were all like 50s and above, you know. The whole cruise ship was nothing but, but older people. They would show up to see me, but uh, if I went to a regular comedy club uh, I mean I get offered clubs all the time I turn them down I just don't take work I have no desire uh, to go to a city and and spend a week there none I mean in fact uh, they offered me to do the the club in in Vegas uh, but it's uh, where Jerry Bednob works and it's uh, I said is it two shows he said yeah I, I said no I'll do one show a night. <laughs> I just don't want to do two shows I just want to get up to have my fun time and I kick ass I still kick ass for an hour I really do. Uh, and, uh, and What and, kind of bag do you use now? Is it synthetic? <laughs> no, it's still a paper bag, but I get them from Smart and Final now. I don't, I don't, uh, you know, go. But uh, I do. How long does it take you to cut out the eyes and the mouth now? Seconds. I got so many of them here that I've used because I, I save them. And you just trace. Well, everything's it? done. I mean, I pull Kleenex. I mean, they're they're designed now. I mean, I have to do things. It's with like them. a magic act. It's a magic act. You know, awesome. I, I put water. I drink water in one eye and throw it out the <laughs> other. You know, and my tongue goes out every every single hole. And women women love that. I I, I go right up to them with the tongues darting so who designed the inside of the bag well me but evolved it all evolved how do you design tongues coming out of your eyes i did it one time you know i went and somebody and i sucked my tongue out and they laughed and i went oh and then i did the next one then i did all three holes and and i say it's gene simmons on viagra you know (laughs) when my tongue comes out and i go up to girl dad i say you'd love to jump in a sack now wouldn't you you know and and uh, don't worry uh, i'll wear baggies and stuff like that i just do all these jokes that i you know evolved over the years you know so I mean, with the bag, you know. You ever done an album as the unknown comic? No, I did one with Freeman uh, as a black. Well, you never no. did an album. I've never done anything. You never really. an hour comedy special as the unknown. Never comic. did an hour comedy special, and uh, why not? 
just not probably not having a manager agent and all that stuff. Just uh, you know, probably people bet you don't even know how to reach me because uh, I'm, I'm you. How did you reach me? Hovercraft. Uh, that's what and I'm saying. Smoke yeah. signals. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I you know I, I almost was thought about when I did the cruise ship because it was uh, it was fun. It was like it's just like one hour of a solid laugh. You know, it's weird because I'm from the old school of just machine gun. You know, bang, 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 bang. And I started watching a lot of the guys today. My girlfriend was telling me you got to watch these guys and and the newer guys. How old's your girlfriend? She's she'll be twenty seven. You are fantastic. You are my she, hero. No, she's sixty two. You're uh, still getting action. Uh, oh, tah, yeah. And, You're uh, still getting action. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. As much as I want. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a lucky guy. What yeah. is that yeah. about you? I is it the know. porno mustache? Well, that's what. That's what. I don't know. I can lick my eyebrows. Yeah. That was, <laughs> but uh, what's his name? Uh, Howard Stern asked me that because he was bringing up all these. You, know. you did a Howard Stern interview. Oh yeah, yeah. and he, that's all he would talk about. Was because you know I dated Mavis, you know Leno's wife. To I mean I dated a lot of. I people. didn't know you dated Mavis. Oh yeah, yeah. In fact, uh, and, and in fact, I remember back then, yeah, because uh, she was a real sweetheart. And uh, and then Stern asked me, and then somebody said that Leno was mad at me because I because her. But I didn't bring her up. You know, Stern brought her up because he investigated a lot of stuff. And uh, speaking of home, I still have Leno's home number too. So I call up Leno one day and I said, "Hey, are you mad at me? You know, uh, this a few years ago because uh, uh, I mentioned Mavis. Uh, or oh, no, Mavis actually answered the phone. I said, "Yeah, uh, Johnny told me that you know, Jay's mad at me." And he said, uh, "I have him on the line. I haven't called back to you. I don't think so." So he called me. And he said, "No, I'm not mad at you." He said, "I heard." He said he heard the interview with Stern and it was all cool. All right, your proudest moment in show business. There's been so many. They've all been proud moments. Like I said, it's been like a fabulous roller coaster ride to this day. My proudest moments are my daughters. I love my life today with my daughters. And like I like I said, I took I took her on the cruise, and uh, uh, I'm always doing something. I'm actually writing a book now on on uh, which I wrote how to be happy, and I'm I'm going to start my own religion. I think now because I used to do a joke where I said I was an atheist till I found out I was God, and, <laughs> and that, that sort of is my belief system because I'm totally you know I'm like. Uh, Bill Maher, you know, don't believe there's anything after we die. And so I'm really heavily getting into that now. But you don't have one proudest moment. Uh, you know, no, I, I, they all have been proud moments, whether it's been, you know, entertaining Jerry Lewis at my show or spending with Elvis or partying with, uh, with, uh, with uh, uh, you know, Lucille Ball. I mean, they've just all been exciting. Proudest moments, something I'm proud that I did. If that's where you're going, I'm trying to think. Uh, how did I did? You know, I don't know. Uh, I've been such a guy who lives for today. My life has always been enjoying today, and so it's very hard for me to even come up with stuff that I did in the past. But I sort of tried to prepare for you by going through my book, because off the top of my head, it's hard because I. Such a guy who lives for today. So, today is the proudest moment of my life, and and tomorrow I'll I'll have a, a pr to me every day. You know, I used to I used to say I got to enjoy every day. Today I enjoy every minute, and I really do. Uh, I don't need to worry about going to heaven because every day is heaven for me, especially when my girlfriend's over here. And boy, we have some heavenly times. 
<laughs> your biggest disappointment in show business and how you used it Zero. to fuel yourself None. to the next level. No disappointments. You know, uh, yeah, a whole bunch of stuff happened that I didn't get. I mean, I auditioned for how many... In the commercial days, I auditioned for TV shows. Uh, I mean, uh, me and Jimmy Darren, remember Jimmy Darren? The mm -hmm. network looked at us as a possible comedy team. We had meetings with uh, CBS. Uh, they were going to, Jimmy was going to be the straight guy and I was going to be a funny guy. Uh, but uh, no, nothing. No disappointments. You never no get fired from a show? Uh, tried to. Uh, Alan Thick tried to fire me from a show. I remember Alan Thick. Uh, what show was that? Was that the Bobby Vinton show? Or, but Chris Beard produced it, and Alan and I, we just didn't connect for some reason. And it's funny because I'm really good friends with his uh, his brother, Todd. Uh, and I ended up being friends with him, but he did try to get me fired from one show because uh, uh, who knows why. We just didn't connect. He just didn't like me. And uh, But Chris wouldn't let him fire me anyway. So no, you have to keep him because uh, Alan actually produced that show. Uh, and like I said, yeah, I've run into assholes in my life, but big deal. You know, uh, most of the people, uh, I, I try to this day only associate with people that I really enjoy and I think are smarter than me. Yeah. Tell our audience how you went about deciding to produce, direct, and star in your own financed films? Oh, well, one was uh, 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 Up Your Alley was the first movie I did. Uh, uh, and uh, Now, back then, now you could do it on your phone. Back you can, then, you couldn't. No, we shot on 35 millimeter, which is expensive, yeah, back then. I just decided one day, I said, I want to do a movie. And, uh, and I was fascinated with homeless people. So me and this buddy of mine, Bobby Logan, we, prefend, we pretended, dressed up as homeless people, and we would live downtown L.A., pretending we were homeless people, for several days uh, to write the script uh, about homeless people. And, and I took a loan on my house, 100 grand, shot the movie for a little over 100 grand, and probably about 40,000 of that was the film stock and, and, and processing. All my friends worked for nothing, but I used, who did I use in there? Well, I ended up using Linda Blair, who also, yeah, who has lived with me on occasion. She's one of my best buddies. How old was she then? Uh, I first met her, she was like 14 or something like that. I met her with uh, Kitty Bruce, uh, uh, Lenny Bruce's daughter, and who, I, who, who was dating at that time Freddie Prince. And then I dated her after, I see another one, yeah, uh, Kitty Bruce, and, uh, and, and, and she, and I ended up going to the Academy Awards with her because uh, Bruce, Lenny was a, with Dustin Hoffman was up for, up for Academy Awards, so I ended up going to see the Academy Awards, my only, my only time at the Academy Awards with, uh, with Kitty. Uh, so Linda, you asked me when I met Linda Blair, I met Linda with Kitty Bruce uh, when she was about 14 years old and we, we've remained life, lifelong friends. Uh, uh, and uh, 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 so uh, she ended up doing that movie for me for nothing, but I ended up paying her because the movie ended up making some money. So we shot for two weeks, uh, uh, and uh, the crew, I ended up paying everybody, but very, very limited, except all the actors. I made a deal with them. If I sold the movie, I would pay them uh, X amount of dollars, and I told the crew, uh, whatever I paid them, which was limited, I said, I'll pay you five times more if I sell the movie, and I ended up paying everybody. The, the money that I, I made. The, the movie ended up making some money back in those days. Uh, and it made a whole of theaters. But it was a whole, about homeless people. Linda Blair, Ruth Buzzy played a bag lady. Uh, uh, Tom Ruth Peter. Buzzy from Laugh-In. 
one of my dear, she slept in this bed last month. Really? Yes. Uh, her and her husband slept in this bed for, they were here for four days last month. Uh, they did a Netflix special here. And Ruth and uh, and her husband are godparents of both my kids from the day I met him on Laughing. And we've been friends that long. Yeah. So, and Ruth, uh, sadly, Ruth has come down with some, you know, that stupid Alzheimer's thing is starting to kick in. But she did Laughing. We were at the Academy Awards Theater just last month. And, uh, and, Took pictures with my daughters, with uh, Lily Tomlin and Joanne Worley, and the whole gang. Yeah, did a whole special with Norman Lear was there, uh, and uh, and uh, and George Slaughter. Uh, what I mentioned, yeah. But so Ruthen is still my good friend. So she played a bag lady, Hackoff Shmirnov, uh, who was in there. Uh, 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 Tom Dreesen, and a bunch of people. But that little movie I did for hundred grand ended up making the theaters and was a top selling video. Uh, and then I did another movie which I directed called Wishful Thinking, which really didn't do much. But I appeared in a lot of movies. I, you know, as an actor, as an actor, I played a drunk in Patrick Swayze's first movie. It was called Skate Town USA. He he was a roller skater in his first movie, and and, and got to hang out with him and his brother back in, in the, those days. And uh, and oh, that's right, that girl was in that movie too. That got shot. Uh, the one that uh, her husband shot her, the playmate. Remember her? They did a movie about her life. Star, star, star 80. 80. Yeah, I got and I did a scene where I had to pinch her ass in that movie, and I kept messing up the scene because I had to keep. And her boyfriend was there, the one that killed her. Uh, uh, just a few months later, Dorothy Stratton. Dorothy Stratton. Yes, sir. Thank you. She was in that movie, Skate Town, USA, with Patrick Swayze. Flip Wilson was in it. Oh, so many people were in it, and uh, I, I played like a druggie. Uh, drunk in the movie, yeah, all through it. So, but I, I did a whole bunch of movies like that. I did uh, uh, where I, I had small parts. A lot of movies with Billy Barty. <laughs> I did uh, Billy Barty, yeah. a famous little person. Yeah, I love Billy Barty, sweetheart of a guy. So you know, as you can see, I mean, my life has just been a fun ride. You know, that's oh, awesome. And 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 like I said, continues to be and uh, and and shall continue to be. I got a lot of years left to me. Last question: What advice do you have for the young person growing up somewhere in the world in the small town? Wants to get out, wants to go figure it out, get the Hollywood, get a break, get going, and have the kind of career that you've had, and then. If they are at a place where they're at an impasse, what advice do you have for them to change their life to create something else? Well, I always say never criticize anyone until you walk a mile in their shoes, because that way after you've criticized them, you're a mile away and you got their shoes. <laughs> you know, I have comics ask, I've had comics over the years ask me advice, and I always say the same thing. If you have to ask advice, you're not on the right road. You know, you just go for it. You don't ask anybody. You just got to go for it if you want it. You know, it's like my daughter with the music business. She just, that's all she thought of, thought, you know. And if you don't, like, because I know a lot of comics in the old days, they had what they call laugh ears. You know, they get out there and I was always petrified when I performed. And to this day, and most of the comics I know who are worth their salt, they're, they're always uptight before going on, especially a new venue. But but all the comics that used to think they killed, they were, they used to just, they had what we call laugh years, where they thought they, wow, I killed them, and you know they died. Those guys, they all, all, all faded away. I think if you got 
if you got what it takes, you're just, it's just going to be there and you just, you're going to go for it and you're going to, you're not going to ask anybody. I never asked anybody. I just did it and did it the best I could. And I did all the shit jobs while I was trying to do it. And I always do it because people ask me about the unknown comic, you know, will you create that? And I always said to myself, if I didn't create that, I would have done something else. I might've been bigger, uh, you know, uh, gotten another series. Uh, but again, my life has just been, Fun. I never worried about money. The money end of it uh, is never a big thing to me to this day. I'm living in a mobile here, yeah, but I do have a beautiful home up in the hills, and I have a, a nice boat at uh, at Channel Highlands, which I love. So I got mountain, city, and and ocean. It's really good, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, no complaints, and and like I said, uh, if you're gonna go for it, you're gonna do it without having to ask anybody, and don't. Just go for it if you want to do it, you know. Awesome. Yeah. Murray Langston, <laughs> a.k.a. The Unknown Comic. Unknown Comic, that's right. This has been I didn't experience. expect this to be two hours. You know, I really hoping to be like four. I'm so sorry are we to ending disappoint this now? <laughs> No, we got another part two coming another up part here. part two. Holy shit. No, I'm kidding. I really didn't expect this to be this long, but thank you very much. I loved it. Oh. You were incredible. Very inspirational. Okay, I'm going to scroll through the list of people who sent me a message, and one of these people will be a lucky winner. And they'll get to attend a podcast live with one of my guests, meet them, shake their hand, ask them a few questions, or else if they're out of town, out of state, or out of the country, we'll Skype them in or FaceTime them or anything like that so they can be there. Why not? So let me look here randomly and pick somebody. All right, landing on DJM1214, heading reads awesome, five stars, December 11th, 2016. Comment reads, five-star podcast. I usually wait until Gary Gullman is a guest to give a podcast a chance, but I'm glad I tried this one. Barry has a great interview style and brings a wealth of knowledge to the table. I like how he explains things to the listener that the guest may take for granted. Now that these include Gary as a guest, the podcast is perfect. All right. Thank you so much, DJM1214. You are a winner. And that wraps up part one of our podcast. I just wanted to thank my incredible partners, starting with Aquatrue, the revolutionary miniature countertop water purification system that works straight out of the box. Plug it in, fill it with tap water, and immediately turn your faucet into your favorite bottled water for pennies. You can get $100 off when you go to industrystandardwater.com and just type in the promo code Barry and start enjoying the best water you've ever had and never buy another bottle of water again. And I killed JFK, the groundbreaking film about the only living person who admitted to killing Kennedy. Go to IKillJFK.com, buy the film and the rare interviews with five of the last living experts, and I guarantee it'll change your mind about what happened that day. And the Air Doctor, the innovative portable air purification system which will change your overall quality of life. It instantly removes dust, pet hair, mold, pollen, flu viruses, and other contaminants circulating in your home. 
normally $600. And if you don't believe me, check Amazon right now. But for a limited time, I can offer you 50% off. That's a $300 savings. Just go to airdoctorpro.com, type in the promo code Barry, and start breathing the cleanest and healthiest air in the world. And here's a preview of the next very special episode. Ben Glebe. Any job on earth. Producing a TV show, doing stand-up comedy on a special of millions of people, serving people at McDonald's, being a secretary in an office. All of it is of the exact same importance, and all of that is of no real importance in the grand scheme. Because take a step back, we're floating out of control on a marble in outer space in a vast, unknowable universe. You think your the details of your speech or the way you paused before the one fucking word of the thing nobody remembers five minutes later means shit? It doesn't. It's just a journey. So have fun, pursue what matters to you, and just do your best. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great day. As always, this has been Industry Standard with me, Barry Katz. And if you like the show, tell all your friends. And if you don't like the show, tell all your friends. You get out the money. Drop that fancy car. All the people love you. Cause you're going for life is for the dreamers. They have all to gain. It's never quite over. So it all feels the same. You pick your own poison. Dig your own grave. Down in the valley A fortune Thank you for listening to Industry Standard with Barry Katz. If you'd like more info on our schedule of new episodes or how to reach Barry through Twitter, Facebook, or email, go to BarryKatz.com. Before you leave, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast. Leave a comment and rate it, even if you think it blows. Thank you for your support and have a great day.